0: The, the first Sunday in January, um, I know we've only been going a couple of years, but you know over the last couple of years we've been doing that. And maybe for those of us who have been around the Lurgan Church for a while, often at the start of January we start with some fresh vision. We usually call it Vision Sunday. And and this morning, well, I'm going to take some time to draw your attention to the, some of the things that we think God has put in our heart over the next six months. We sense the, the Spirit... Um, Kind of just caution us, if that's probably not too strong a word. Around simply trying to dazzle you or dazzle the church with impressive kind of things that we're going to do for the sake of kind of whipping everyone up for another year ahead. Uh, Often, vision statements in churches, uh, particularly kind of new and contemporary churches, are often a great idea that the senior leader has had or the senior leadership has had, and then his job is to go and try and persuade the whole church to think that what he's thought of is a really, really good idea and um, is very, very anointed by God. If he makes sure he has the right scriptures to back it up, then that will confirm it. And then try and get everybody to, to join him in, in serving that vision. And it's not that God doesn't speak to leaders about vision. That's often one of the things that they're required to do. So often that's not necessarily a wrong thing. But sometimes um, it can feel like, particularly at the start of a year and particularly at the start of the decade, it can feel a certain kind of pressure to um, to want to say something impressive. And um, we do want to leverage. There is a, fresh, a freshness about a new year, and there's a freshness about a new decade that we want to leverage the opportunity that that brings and all that could happen. And we'll be doing that over the next number of weeks. But we feel like at the moment, the Lord's really calling us to listen to the Spirit, to stay in tune with Him, to not hype ourselves up with loads of activity, but to hold our ground. Um, While everything out there in the world at the moment is very loud, very noisy, very opinionated, very emotional, uh, very partisan, very reactionary, we sense the Spirit is calling the people of God to hold their ground, to keep their noses to the ground, to operate in an opposite spirit of humility and worship and unity and to listen to his voice. And uh, so I've been thinking a lot over the last number of weeks about Psalm 1, the way the Psalms start. This was basically the prayer book for the church. And uh, it's kind of ancient wisdom that is still as powerful today and even more relevant than maybe ever. But those whose delight is in the law of the Lord, and who meditates on his law day and night. A person is like a tree planted by streams of water, which yields its fruit in season, and whose leaf will not wither. Whatever they do, prosper. Not so the wicked. They are like chaff that the wind blows away. it feels like the Lord's saying that we're not to be enamored with our own ideas in this next season. <clears throat> we're, we're, there's a lot of stuff that's going out there that can sound very um it can it can sound very compelling in some ways. It can sound even intimidating how strong it's presented. But you know what? The majority is just gonna blow away. Because it just comes and goes like everything else it has over the last two thousand years. It just blows away. So don't be intimidated and don't be drawn in. Hold your ground. Stand fast. Be like a tree planted by the rivers of living water. It draws up nutrients and strength to prosper in this next season. It reminded me of another psalm. You see, the psalms kind of orientate us. That's why I love reading them every day. They orientate us in a world that's full of flux. And in a world that's full of um, fluctuations and damage and false promises. My heart, O God, is steadfast. My heart is steadfast. I will sing and make music. Awake, my soul. Awake, harp and lyre. I will awaken the dawn. I will praise you, Lord, among the nations. I will sing of you among the peoples, for great is your love reaching to the heavens. Your faithfulness reaches to the skies. Be exalted, O God, above the heavens. Let your glory be over all the earth. Steadfastness of heart. You think the Lord wants to speak to, I think the prophetic voice to us this morning wants to speak to a certain steadfastness of heart. This is the language of covenant that we've been looking at, steadfast hearts. We're going to need this year as a church family to be steadfast. Some of you had to learn that in 2019 in some really difficult, tough situations. Your heart has been learning how to be steadfast, when hopes and dreams are shattered, when things go don't go the way we want them to, when ideals get corrupted and smashed at our feet and all of that kind of thing, we have to learn a certain, my heart is steadfast, O oh Lord. My heart is steadfast on you. And uh, we're going to need that. We're going to need to be steadfast in our love. We're going to need to be steadfast in our hope. The church has to be steadfast in hope. Napoleon had that great quote, that a leader is a dealer in hope, right? We have to be people that carry the hope of something new that's happening, something beyond what we see, steadfast in our love for one another. And so this morning we're not really calling it vision Sunday. There are four we're calling it more like a sense of refocusing Sunday because we think that's actually what the Lord's saying to us um, for three reasons. Um, the first reason is we're not calling it vision Sunday. We can make a bit of an honest kind of disclaimer here, because we're not really exactly sure what God, all God's calling us to do. And uh, we'd rather listen to His voice. We'd rather discern His will, so that when we say that we all that we think God's calling us to, we can say that with a confidence in and on His Word. Yeah. Plus, we'd love you to help us discern that. And so, over the next six months we want to do that, it's probably right to say we feel a holy kind of fear and nervousness around missing the voice of the Lord, around rushing, short-circuiting the process of waiting in order to say something impressive. It's important for you to know that as a leadership, both here in Lurgan and in, or sorry, both here in Portadown and in Lurgan, that we are in a process of discernment together as leaders. We've factored in a number of days away, leaders, board, some of key staff, to listen to the Lord over the next six months. There's certain things that He has placed in our heart, but we just don't feel like they are fully weighed and tested at the moment, and so um, we just want you to know that. I think it's important. There's fresh dreams that the Lord has put in our heart, but we want to be in step so that we want to know. The second reason, which is going to take up most of what I'm going to say, uh, that we want to refocus <clears throat> is because we think God's led stuff in our hearts over the last number of years, which still drives us on. In other words, we've got plenty to be getting on with, okay? We feel God has placed stuff in our hearts that has matured over the last number of years, and uh, we want to hold our ground on that and continue to be faithful and to be steadfast with the things that the Lord has put in our hearts. So if you don't remind... Sorry if this is a slightly repetitive, but let's remind ourselves, let's refocus our hearts on what God has called us to do, okay? And along the way, I will tell you some of the things that um, he has put in our hearts. So part of this is going to be quite practical as well. But, you know, God has given us a vision. We want to focus on that to help rewrite the story of this city, Kergavan, Ireland, and the nations with the good news of the kingdom of God. <coughs> Excuse me. This is our way of living into the story of God. Um, it is our contextualized, if you like, here in Portadown, here in Kergavan, It is our way of living out the Great Commission. Okay, We think this lines up with the Bible as we prayerfully discerned for our own area to be faithful to the Scriptures. The book of Acts was given to us as a gift, I think, as the church in order to understand how we live out our story in the same way as the early church lived out their story. Luke has written it in such a way that he is showing us how the apostles carried on the work of Jesus, how they followed Jesus in all of life and uh, he wants, and he structured his book in such a way to help us understand how we live that out in our context, and, uh, and we want to see, like they did in the early church, the, the, the gospel break out in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, to the ends of the earth. We want to see it break out in Craigavon, Ireland, and the nations with the good news of the kingdom of God. And so our responsibility as a local church is to focus ourselves in how we do that. But that's our, that's our primary call. And we get caught up in the same movement of the Spirit as they did. It's the same story as a covenanting community to carry the gospel to the nations. And so we're going to be teaching again on Acts between now and the end of June. You, Those of us, those of you who have been around for a while know that we started that And then we took a bit of a break in that in order to land the following Jesus and all of life series and the six practices which we looked at. But we want to go back and finish off our study on the book of Acts because we feel like that's a foundation setting text that helps us in our early days as a church understand who and how God is calling us to fulfill the Great Commission, okay? And then we've got our three core values. We want to love God, love people, and love the world. And then we have those, if you're not tired hearing about it, those six practices, yeah? Prayer and worship, creativity, generosity and hospitality, compassion and justice, mission and discipleship. And then we've got this snazzy diagram, which uh, helps see how they all work together that we would fulfill a great commandment to love God and love people and the great commission to take the gospel to the nations, and that that would be defined and outworked in those six practices that we see in our uh, community. If you like, this is the shape, this is the shape and the values of this covenanting community that we're talking about. So if you're talking to anybody and you want to explain to them what our church is about, what it looks like, you know, it's Basically looks like that, not like a diagram, obviously. It looks like a life that embodies that. But if you if you want to say, What are the values of your church? What does it really look like? Well, you say we, we want to strive to fulfill the Great Commandment, and the Great Commission. We want to love God. We want to be loving people the way Jesus loved them and we want to love the world. And we want to practice that. If you want to know what that looks like very practically, we want to live lives of prayer. We want to all creatively express who God has created us to be in our own ways. We want to live lives of generosity and hospitality. That's that's what you can do if you want to invite people into our church and if you want to understand what this church is all about. And then, and then I suppose, the, 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 the main bit, what I wanted to kind of land this morning, just to help you understand some of the things that God has put in our hearts over the next six months or so, is we have six long-term aims to fulfill the vision. <clears throat> a, vi- a vision is a compelling picture. It's an aspiration. It's something that even though you might not see it all, it drives you on every day to want to do it. The Bible says, "Without a vision, people perish." Right, and so it's important to have a vision. But uh, sometimes the vision can sometimes feel so out there, and it probably needs to be impossible. Someone once says, "If your vision, if your vision um, isn't and doesn't feel impossible, it's just another thing on your to-do list." Right. Whereas, whereas a vision always kind of drives us on. But sometimes it can feel so out there that you need to kind of practically just step it out a little bit to know how to get there. And so we have six long-term aims that help us do that a little bit. And I'm going to just go through them quickly to help you understand what we're focusing our hearts and our minds upon this year as a church. And then I'm going to, I'm going to finish with a little bit of a more personal challenge to us. All right, everyone with me? Yeah? So, um, so we're, number one, we, we want to posture and prepare ourselves for a move of God's Spirit. In the nation of Ireland, and I know that can just sound like a lovely statement, but we we really we really believe it. <laughs> we're continuing to pray for revival for something to happen unusual, supernatural, beyond what we can understand comprehend or have ever seen in our lives you know we are kind of stupid enough in some ways to believe that that can happen in the the worldly sense of the word and we've set our hearts towards it and as I'll say later on we find it really hard to let that go and so we want to (laughs) pray practically like we've never really prayed before this time last year, I was praying and fasting, and actually almost a year to the date, I was looking at my journal last night again. I think it was the 10th of January. I had written, written a number of entries in it at that time, and one of them was that I felt the Holy Spirit was saying to me, Alan, start preparing yourself to live as if you were living in a genuine move of God's Spirit on the earth. And so I wrote a number of practical things down that I would need to change ways that I would need to live if I wanted that to happen, to start living my way into the reality that I'm longing for. And um, I haven't kept all of them, but I have have tried to set my heart towards that, and I have tried to ha- ask for the Lord to almost keep me accountable to that. And so I, w- I want to encourage you maybe to think about that question, if you feel a, a desire and hunger for that. And, you know, you know, your life doesn't have to be perfect for that. If God's just kind of got a little bit of your heart, even just what I've said there, just even a little smidgen of your heart goes, I'm interested in that too. Just work with that, right? And work with that and give that to God. And so practically, with a number of things, you can be involved in. We pray here every other Wednesday night, either in Lurgan or Portadown. It'll start again Wednesday week, okay? And and we would love to encourage you. There's some things that you should, this is just me offering this to you, you, you know, but this is my feels good to the Holy Spirit and me <laughs> and us. There's some things that I would suggest should be in your diary in pen, not in pencil. Because in pencil, you can rub them out and put something else in. And tipax isn't really in these days anymore, right? I would encourage you per- personally to put corporate prayer into your diary in, in pen. Yeah. Maybe even in capitals and maybe even big enough that you can't fit anything else around it, right? I just encourage you to be, it's its kind of the bread and butter. Don't leave the responsibility to pray for your kids and your community and your neighbors to somebody else, yeah? Just let's be a family of God that come together. And I, I get it. I, I understand when you get into the middle of a term, it's cold and it's wet, and you want to light the fire and watch the football. I'm a human being too, right? I get that. But i have I've... I've Come to realize that unless that we are as a people just meeting together to pray, then we can't really expect God to move. So uh, I want I want to encourage you to do that every other Wednesday. Also, as Debbie mentioned, so we've got corporate prayer, and I encourage you just to be praying together for that. And and then uh, because that's what we're longing for. It's corporate prayer. I'm not really keeping up with the slides here. Sorry. Um, uh, and then, as Debbie mentioned, you've got you've got um, uh, this festival coming up, and. Um, I, I, I sometimes kind of like feel the need to apologize because I don't want the statements that we put out to sound like we're just simply dangling a carrot. G- genuinely, we want to kind of meet in a field and set two or three days aside as holy unto the Lord because we want to contend for an awakening of God's Spirit in the land. And we feel like God has brought a number of friendships and relationships around. So, like, so there's 400 people, over 400 people signed up already. I looked at the list the other day. People from—it's um, interesting because there's people from Manya Lurgan, people from Porta Portadown. There's people from Dungannon Vineyard, people from Armagh Vineyard, people from Lagan Valley Vineyard, people from CFC, people from different—the Journey Church and different. There's there's lots of different churches represented already. Lots of different ages represented already. There's twelve caravans coming already. There's twenty-five tents coming already. I, ca- I can't remember the exact breakdown. I have it in my phone. Um, and you know what? We're going to have to learn a lot the first year, right? Don't worry. We're going to have toilets, and we're going to have showers, right? Apparently, that's what people want to know the most, right? Which I get as well, right? There's going to be toilets, and there's going to be showers. We're knocking um, our pan in week by week to try and make sure the site's up to— It's been actually—the site, so you know, has been hosting a Bible tent mission for over 35 years, okay? So uh, it's it's experienced enough putting people in and around that, um. And uh, so so there's a beautiful legacy that we're stepping into as well. But um, we understand Northern Ireland people aren't the best campers in the world, right? And uh, if you want to stay anywhere else, that's totally fine as well. But listen, with, without without this sounding in any way, like, like any kind of guilt thing, right? If we are contending for the next awakening of God's spirit, we're kind of naive to think it's not going to cost us. So... And I know for some of us, the thought of sleeping in a sleeping bag for two nights is enough to give us like the heebie-jeebies and nightmares, right? But like, you know, when you think about when you think about what some people are contending for the gospel <laughs> around the world like, right now, you kind of go, okay, we can do this, all right? So we want, we want, just, just I'm saying that not not bec- I'm not saying this because we're trying to like pull off a really good event. I'm saying this because. Our number one aim is to see a move of God in this nation, and it's connected to his church coming together in unity with one purpose, to cry out to Jesus, come and move in our land. So we haven't went for big sensational names of speakers. We're not bringing in loads of really popular names and worship teams, all of that. We're not doing that because we're using a lot of our own people, one or two friends, but just it's about us being in a field together and having joyous, fun-filled fellowship together with our kids and our grandparents and all of that kind of thing and saying, Lord, come and have your way. All right, number two. The second thing we want to do is create a radical culture of discipleship, that, um, a, 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 a discipleship culture that releases a, a movement of radical Jesus followers. So, so we've put a good bit of work into our, um, let me just get more water We second we've put a good bit of work into our discipleship structure over the last year and we want to ensure we're not just uh, a widely influenced church but a deep church. Uh, one that carries the depth of the spirit and expresses itself in real likeness That's the long end. So hence the definition of discipleship which you have worked hard at because um, we want to define it because as we've said discipleship it's one of those phrases get knocked around, and what does it really mean? And essentially, it means you just want to follow Jesus. He's the one that is our rabbi, is our master, is our teacher, and we want to follow him in, in every area of life. And that's why we've put so much emphasis over the last term. But basically, we'd love to see a, a radicality, and that is a word, by the way, All right, A radicality, a radical nature to your discipleship, that. It's not just sort of classroom-type environments, so that we have some of those, and they're important, or even just like time-bound, traditional sort of midweek home groups, as great as they are as well. We'd love to see something like we see in the early church, uh, or we see in parts of the world at the moment. Incidentally, when you're watching all the stuff at the moment on the TVs about what's going on in the world and in Iran, fastest-growing church in the world at the moment is in Iran. All right? So underneath and over and above it all, God is at work. Yeah, God is at work. And we—it's a it's a radical movement of disciples because they're making disciples. They're not just looking decisions for Christ, as important as they are. They're making disciples who make disciples. The breath of the Spirit is on it. And if we could get just somewhere back close to that level of discipleship, the last thing that we want to do is simply attract people to church and try and keep them. We want to raise disciples and release them to go and make new disciples and to change the world. We'd love to see a church here of at least 500, maybe 1,000 people. I'd love to see that someday i believe in God for that, a faith for it. But what we don't want is just a church of a 1,000 people and a church of a 1,000 disciples who make disciples, who make disciples, who make disciples, so that we can give some of the best of them away to go and plant churches and to go and carry the gospel to the nations. And we always say if the Great Commission is for everyone, then everyone should be able to do it. So discipleship making should not be simply for the leaders. And so we have a life group kind of model here, and um, it's not even really a model. It's just a phrase that we use to try and describe what it is. It's more people meeting. Stephen leads that and a brilliant job with it. There's 60 or 70 people in life groups, and we'd love to see more small groups of people that meet because we believe that the big is actually in the small and we'd love to see more and more life groups uh, together in the days ahead. It's lovely to hear stories come back from life groups. Some of you are doing Grow or some of you are doing Ignite, which is great because that offers a sort of small group for you. I've loved that. Connor and Adam here are in my, my group this year and it's been brilliant just to kind of journey together. It's Share stories, get to know one another a little bit more, talk about the Lord, what He's doing, and how we can grow. And we encourage you to, to do that in the days ahead. If you're not in one, try and get one. In the one, that would be that would be brilliant. And of course, what we're trying to say is that discipleship is always over and above. And a structure, it's always over and above a meeting, it's always over and above something that we just simply organize. It takes an open-heartedness for everyone to want to grow and to develop together. And so if you're not in a smaller group of some description, we'd really, 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 really encourage it to get into one. If somebody comes to us and says I'm not really feeling connected or belonging in church, and they, they haven't at the very least explored something like that, it's hard, it's hard to kind of go, well. You know, have have you have you have you tried? You know, so that would be the main way that we would love you to feel connected. So please talk to Stephen particularly or any of us about that, if you would like that. Third, um, the third thing is to build a mature, uh, thriving local resource church. This this is important. Over the last. Uh, over our, our journey, as I was involved in helping establish Lurgan over the years, about eight or ten years ago, the Lord started to speak to us about how we were cre- creating and developing and growing the church. And uh, with a primary goal, um, that that our primary goal as building a church was not to, to try and create a church that simply was the best gig in town. Could we get as many other Christians to come to this and like it right? And the Lord really challenged us about that and spoke to us now. And, and we sensed what God was saying. I want you to grow. I want you to see the church grow. I want it to mature. I want it to multiply and all of that. But we sensed that he wanted it to grow in a way that served the city, that a church would be for the transformation of a city and whatever it could do to see something happen in the nation, that we would, um, that we would sort of live up into that and, 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 and help try and lead the way and that we would resource other churches in the nation and try to plant new ones. And so how could we be a church that wasn't purely caught up in maintaining what it was establishing itself, but how could it multiply around the land? And so as we studied the New Testament, we became aware that there are churches That became like that in the New Testament. If you read, you'll see places like Antioch or the church in Ephesus and other churches, they became sort of mature churches where there was a first of all, there was probably a critical mass of people, and also there was a maturity of leadership that had started to evolve that they could give leaders away to help plant and resource other churches. And so we really felt the Lord started to speak to us about that. It was to be that kind of a church. And so we want to keep a posture of humility, of serving, of giving away. not trying to grab and hoard and keep for ourselves, but how can we be that kind of a church? And, uh, and we felt God then said to us um, a number of years ago, I want to see something like that established in Portadown as well, so that right across the city of Kirgaven we could have a mature local church that would serve both towns in that city as well as resourcing together the church in the nation. And, uh, and it's wonderful to see the amount of people here this morning. It's wonderful to see the amount of gifting and resource that's developing and growing. And we want to put that alongside our family together in Lurgan and think, how can we establish something beautiful in this city, in these two towns, which have been kind of almost set up against each other? How can we bring peace and unity to that to see God do something wonderful in the heart of Mid-Ulster? How can we see the kingdom of God happen and come in power in the city? And then how can that be uh, something that serves the nation? And um, and so we're so happy with what God has done and he's allowed us to be part of this. There's so much more we want to see. But the merging of the two churches and the mature body of people that came across from uh, Upper bound Vineyard and grafted in to what God was doing here, we really feel that God has... I can't really stress this enough. We really feel that God has converged us together for a moment to serve his purposes in this area. And everybody has a part to play. And so at a resource level, we are relatively mature, I think. There's lots that we want to improve, but I think we're relatively mature for essentially being a church that's only two years old. We're self-sustaining. We're able to not just support ourselves, but we're able to give... 10% or so every month away to support things in the city, the food bank, cap, spar, reach. We'll be able to send missionaries like Wayne and Sue and support them pretty well monthly because people give, because we want to be a mature resource church. And so this is really encouraging, but here's what I want to charge you with together with me and the leadership this morning is that's why your prayers are so important and our prayers together are so important for the next step. For wherever God is positioning us, that's why it's so important that we get it right. That's why it's so important that we just we don't leave that to other people to contend to. But we contend together, because it's going to take. Because you need to know us. I'm not scared of the enemy one bit, but I know that he is up to all sorts of scheming to resist and to stop the movement of God's word and His church you know, God wants to take out individuals, but he wants to take out churches, because the church is the way the kingdom advances in the world, and so I want to charge you to think earnestly about how you can pray, because it's going to take sacrifice, it's going to take cost, it's going to take finance, it's going to take perseverance, it's going to take all of those things, and we all want to contribute together. The fourth one, so those were the, sorry, I should have said, when we when we planted Port of this was the prophetic picture that we really felt the Lord land on our hearts. Could we see almost these two this this picture of two towers is the London tower bridge? <clears throat> we really felt that if, if we could see something established in Port of Iron, I could serve alongside Lurgan in this city. And that bit at the top we found quite important because the two towers are kind of connected by something that you can't really necessarily put people across, but something in the in the spirit that we felt, that, which is why we alternate our prayer meetings between Lurgan and Portadown, because we feel that's very strategic and very intentional, that we're doing something in the spirit that's changing the atmosphere, okay? We want to focus on that this year. so it's just important to kind of refocus some of these key thoughts around who God has called us to be. These are the prophetic and apostolic foundations that we're establishing the church on. Fourthly, the last three will be a bit quicker. We want to um, pioneer numerous church plants around Ireland. Part of the resource church dynamic, part of being that kind of a mature church that conserve other churches and the wider region is to help release a movement of church plants. For too long in this nation we haven't planted enough churches. With a mandate for winning souls, not just attracting people. And, uh, and so we want to see old wells reopened and we want to see new wells dug, which is why we have our Tabar network. Tabar is the Irish word for well or spring. And we long to see in broken, desolated places new communities that look like Jesus start to spring up and welcome in people to the family of God. And so as we've branched out with this mandate, we've found a number of churches kind of need parented, want the sense of adoption or family. Far too many churches are alone. I'm not a massive champion of everything institutional. I think there are dangers to it, but I have a deep, deep Deep love and respect for my brothers and sisters in Christ who are part of that. And I'm also far too aware of the pride that independent new churches carry and the independent spirit that can happen because they find their identity in being different from the institutions rather than their identity in Jesus and in God. And we feel that God has called us to help create a family of families, of churches that can love the body of Christ in all its different expressions across the nation. And so there's currently 10 or 12 different churches in that orbit, We've got the ones that we've planted and a number that are adopted, and we want to continue to serve that family. We have a Tabar conference coming up as well. It'll just be for the Tabar churches. That's going to be the last weekend of September. We'll announce that date in the next couple of weeks, but if you want to log that, the 25th to the 27th of September in 2020, we'll be bringing our Tabar churches together as we seek to serve the church and the nation. Number five, we want to conceive and implement a city-wide transformation initiatives for the Kurgavan area. We want to see, I've alluded to this, that that we want to see the city transform, not just build big churches. Acts, again, is a really helpful guide for this. Watch this. When when the disciples were being sent out from Jerusalem, Philip went down to a city in Samaria, and he proclaimed the Messiah there. When the crowds heard Philip and saw the signs he performed, they all paid close attention to what he said, for with shrieks... (laughs) Something was was happening. Impure spirits came out of many, and many who were paralyzed or lame were healed. Look at this. So there was great joy in the church. No, there was great joy in the city. Something happened in the city. And what we long to see is something happened in the city of Craigavon. Not just churches getting bigger, but cities being transformed. And you see this through the Bible. You just need to read on and actually come come to read about Ephesus. Industry changes. Business changes. The flourishing of the city happens because witchcraft and evil gets pushed out wherever the power and the presence of God comes. And so uh, this is our longing, that this city, <laughs> that this city that some people conceived of, that never really become everything, that, you know, the sort of Mecca of Rushmere there <laughs> in its early days, right? Some of us remember it as Crazy Prices, Right? Yeah, that, that God would come and breathe on a valley of dry bones and transform this city. I just really taken a number of weeks ago, June, one of our members here shared this with us, and she, over maybe thirty years ago, moved into Kergaven and decided to be part of a community to see the spark came because the, the red signs and walls like this, and were so broken, and said we need to get out of the church and into the city to see the kingdom come. This is our calling. And so going forward, we really want to release in the days ahead, we'll talk more about this, but our hope is that we release Chris a little bit more to help oversee this. We feel that Chris is carrying a gift and a grace to hear what the Lord is doing in the city, to engage politicians, to engage the council, to build empowering projects, to connect together all the social justice initiatives that we're going, but with a heart and a flow of the spirit of God and the connection to the church, He's sitting on a council with think tanks that are deciding what Kergavan should do for 2030. What their dream is, and it's great that he and others are bringing influence. To that and so remember tonight our celebrate Kergavan event. It's really important. It's not just another gig. It's to come together in faith to believe for God to do something in a building which we might not be able to meet in for too much longer potentially. Okay, and uh, and so we'd love to encourage you to do it. And then finally. We want to develop a mature leadership pipeline. We want to see to achieve all that we feel that God has called us. We need leaders. We need people. I'm leaders. i say leaders. I'm not, I'm not necessarily saying you have to be like elite. I'm just saying people that take responsibility and people that the church equips. And for far too long, the church have outsourced leadership development to the corporate world. And if you outsource leadership to the corporate world and you just get business people coaching leaders, then all you're going to get is more business people. Right? Which is brilliant, because we're all on for business people who carry the kingdom. In fact, we're very, very passionate about that. But we also need, as the church, to be equipping people, equipping people to become the best that God has called them to be, to carry his kingdom, to be generals in the kingdom of God. Yeah, that's what the Lord is calling us to do. And we've plans in place, which given we don't really feel we should be sharing just yet. But as the Lord weighs and tests them on our hearts, we'll be sharing that in the days ahead. So with all of that in mind, there's still a lot to be going on with, isn't there, right? It's important that we refocus, that we get a general sense of the direction that we're traveling in. And as I said, there'll be more of that in the next number of months But you'll understand why I'm saying this morning. We don't need to be like hitting you with lots of new stuff. Uh, We want to refocus because God has called us. God has called us to a great vision. He he really has called us to a great vision, and it's going to take all of us, every single one of us. And so we want to say thank you for serving. To date, not that it's just about what happens on a Sunday, but if it doesn't happen on a Sunday. The rest of the week usually tends not to be brilliant. And so thank you for showing up and serving in Kingdom Kids. All the people who need to hear that, many of them are serving right now. Uh, behind, behind closed doors where nobody always sees what they're doing. Thank you for serving in hospitality. Thank you for giving that person a cup of tea on a Sunday or on a Friday morning. Thank you for engaging in that conversation with that new person that comes in and making them feel welcome. Thank you for leading worship. Thank you, Johnny, and the team for like Every week, like making sure that we can see stuff on screens and sing songs and come in early when it's cold before everybody gets here and open up buildings and Trevor who sets up communion every week and thank you, thank you, thank you. Everybody has to play their part if God is calling us to this great vision. The guys that serve in youth and 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 crash—it's it's beautiful. And I say all of this because the third and final reason. So the first reason that we're focusing, we're refocusing, is because we're not quite sure of all the new stuff God wants to do. The second reason is we've got loads to get on with, which I've just shared. The third reason is probably the most important. The Spirit is calling us to an intentional pursuit of His presence like I think we've never known before. And so the vision is refocusing this morning because the vision is Jesus. It is seeing the person and the beauty of the person of Jesus Christ again. The church has been like a purely Focused camera. Overexposed and underdeveloped for far too long. And so we need to refocus the lens in order to see Jesus. And so as I kind of bring this to a close next moment, I want to finish with a wee bit of a confession. Um, And not not like a sin confession. (laughs) not Because not that I don't do that, but just... It's a confession. This is a confession. I am really... uh, struggling, not to talk about anything at the moment, but revival. Maybe you picked that up. And it's not that I feel the need to apologize for it, but I kind of just want to honestly say as kind of part of the leadership and your pastor here, I uh, I want to say this, this is just where I am. And so if, if if there might be a coup or something, and you might want to like kick me out because you're just tired listening to it, and that's fine if, that, if that's the case, right? But I'm basically saying it because God has just feels, I just feel like God has backed me in that corner with this. I can't not, I can't not talk about it. And I don't want to talk about, when I talk about it, I, I'm saying this to you today because I don't want you to feel like it's just Alan and his idealism just longing for something brilliant. And, but it's a bit unrealistic, right? I just feel like the whole, the whole like most of my life has already been about it. But certainly the whole second part of my life, since <laughs> I hit forty, right? I think this, this is just what I feel. God has backed me into a corner, and and where I am today is, I'm saying it because I'm, I want you to know. There's a longing in my spirit that will not go away. And every time I think about preaching about something else, the Lord, and and I'll don't worry, I'll like try and mix it up a bit, right? But every time I try to lay it down. Is something in me that I can't let go of. I have a grief in my heart and an ache in my spirit for the way the world is at the moment and the state of God's church at the moment. That is deeper. That I find myself crying more than I've ever cried. And it's turning into a groaning that I can't even put words to at times. And I have an expectation that God might actually do something in my lifetime that I've never had like it before. I think I might even get to see some of it. And so we're calling it Refocus this morning because I think what God is saying to us is, I want you to renounce your own ideals. I want you to renounce... All your own stuff that you think is impressive. All the great things that you think that you can do. Because if we're going to see something unusual, extraordinary, beyond what we can imagine, happen in our lifetime, we are being driven to our knees, to our faces. We are being driven to places in prayer where we have not yet been before. And I just feel like this is what the Lord is saying to us. Hold your ground Keep it a little bit more simple and seek my face like never before because I am longing to pour out my spirit on a dry and a thirsty and a broken land for times of refreshing to come in the nation of Ireland, North and South. Jesus said this to the church in Ephesus. The church in Ephesus was one of those resource churches. Maybe the band would come. Uh, of course, I'd like to finish the song just as we finish this off. This is just these, these words. Uh, God, Jesus speaking to the seven churches, and one of them was Ephesus, and this is what he says. He says, These are the words of him who holds the seven stars in his right hand and walks among the seven golden lampstands. I know your deeds, your hard work, and your perseverance. I genuinely think Jesus could say that to us. I knew your deeds. I know your hard work. I know pers- that you cannot tolerate wicked people and that you have tested those who claim to be apostles but are not and have found them false. You have persevered and have endured hardships for my name and have not grown weary, yet I hold this against you. You have forsaken the love that you had at first. You've forgotten your first love. Stop loving me the way you used to love me, and I miss it, Jesus is saying. And then he says, consider how far you have fallen. Repent. Repent. And do the things that you did at first. I felt the Lord speak to me over the Christmas and say, Alan, this, this this is a little phrase. It in some ways, sums up, you're going to build a life around first things first. Because <clears throat> Jesus Really longs for his bride to be loving him in the same way as he loves it, so that the spirit and the bride together can say, Come uh, and so maybe you want to ask yourself some really practical questions: do you love Jesus and if if you don't at the moment or you don't as much as you you'd like to you know what I mean? Jesus isn't standing over you with like a stick. He's just like, I'd really love to show you this. I'd really love to show you how much I love you. And I'd really love to show you how you're barking up the wrong tree or far too many trees to kind of find the love that only I can give you. Do you love Jesus? Do you love him? My my prayer at the minute Jesus, I just want to love you more. I just want to love you more. Do you love his bride? Do you love his church? Made of all sorts of reasons to feel like you shouldn't at the moment. Jesus wants to heal that. Do you love him? Do you love his word? Do you love do you love the Bible? If you don't, that's okay. Just just ask the Lord to give you a love for his word. Do you serve? Do you give? <laughs> do you give on to him? Do you give what belongs to him? Back to him? It's first things first. He sure his love and truth with those who don't know him. Tonight, Phil's going to end with a challenge and celebrate Kirk Gavin. not to steal his thunder, but it's going to go something like this. <laughs> he felt the Lord said to him on Christmas Eve, Phil, could you believe me this year for a thousand souls? And he said, uh, God, I could believe you for anything. And uh, this thing about thousand souls and around his head, and then he started to think about it. And he started to think, you know what? If we add it up, the amount of people that go to Lurgan, the amount of people that go to Portadown, Shalom and Cara, and every single person led one person to Jesus this year, shared the gospel with one person, there'd be a thousand people, no problem. It's not a big ask, sure it's not. It's not a big ask at all, one person. And what an impact it could have on our city, what an impact it could have all around the world as we refocus our hearts on Jesus to believe him for something that we could see that we never maybe thought we would see. But God is stirring his church and God is stirring us this morning. He's here this morning. Why don't you stand with me? Wherever you are, just commit in your own heart to say, Jesus, this year I want it to be first things first. You might want to grab, if you're here with a spouse or a family member, and even together, you just want to say, or a friend who you pray with, you might want to just grab their hand and just want to say, God, Jesus, this year I want it to be first things first. We, we want it to be first things first in our household, in our friendship. In our relationship, Jesus, we want it to be first things first. I feel like there may be somebody here this morning and you just need to come to Jesus. First things first for you means the first time that you've truly said yes. And so just in these moments, I'm going to pray a prayer. I'm not going to embarrass you. I just want you to pray it with me. Jesus, I say yes to you. Come into my life. Come into my life. Forgive me of my sins. Thank you that you've paid for them all. And you've taken them in and on your own body. You've suffered them for me. So I can be free. Jesus. Come into my life. Be my Savior. Be my friend. Be the Lord of my life. Just keep our eyes closed if you wouldn't mind. If anybody here just feels that they've prayed that prayer this morning or wants to say yes to that, and you'd just like to let me know that you've prayed that. Just with every eye closed and every hair by, just just want to slip your hand up just so I can see it, and I'd love to just chat to you properly afterwards. That's all it is. Come, Lord Jesus, come, Lord Jesus, come, Lord Jesus. Come, Lord Jesus. I think today is the day for some of us. Today is the day. Today is the day of salvation. Hmm. Sorry, we're almost out of time. We're just over time, but I just feel the Lord's moving here at the moment. I just... um. One other thing, I just feel like I want to pray. Um, Last week as I was praying and fasting, um, I'm not really an early morning riser that great. I like spending a lot of time with the Lord in the evenings. And I felt that um, every night about half past 12, it was almost uncanny. A little bird, I think it was a robin, started to sing the same almost song almost at the same time every night. I didn't have loads of revelation necessarily last week, but I just I heard this little bird singing in the night. And I, I just feel like for some of us, there's a song, a new song that is coming, and it's come in the night. Uh, I felt, I uh, just, just don't want to embarrass anyone, but Gillian, I just felt like the Lord was releasing that over you. I felt like over the last year, you've learned how to sing. In the night, and God has heard your song, and in the years and the days ahead, that the Lord is going to awaken the dawn through this new song that the Lord has placed in your heart. And I feel like it's a beautiful song, and nobody else has heard it for a while. <laughs> Only those who know what the night is like are in the night. And so uh, I just uh, I feel like the Lord is releasing that song over you. It's been a song in the night. And it's a beautiful song. Why don't you stretch out your hand in prayer for Jillian, Lord? We just thank you for our our sister, God. Uh, thank you, Lord, for what you've been doing in her life. Thank you for the song that has been released in the night, Lord. Thank you that you have heard her song, and it's a beautiful song, Lord. It's a song of hope in the time of. Lord, what feels like darkness and difficulty, that you are releasing a song and you have released a song. And Lord, we pray in the days ahead that Lord, that song would awaken the dawn. And so God, we pray that the song that's in her heart would get in all of us. So God, a song of joy, a song of deliverance, a song of hope, God, a new song, a song that comes even when everything else feels it's quiet to awaken us and to remind us that our God doesn't sleep, He doesn't slumber, He never takes a break, He doesn't get any time off, but He's always looking towards us, and He's always for us, and He's always towards us. Release that song, we pray. And Lord, as you've done it in in Jillian's life and in her family, God, we pray, God, that you would do it all across this body, God. We pray that the song, oh God, the song that rises up even in the night, oh God, would sing. You've got to speak to your bride, speak to the bride in this church now, and say, sing, sing this year, sing your way into 2020, sing in the midst of darkness, lift your voice and sing out a new song, sing out a song of hope, sing out a song of victory, even if you don't think it's in tune, sing it anywhere, sing it loud, sing it clear, sing it with confidence, sing, sing. Sing, Church of Jesus Christ. Sing again this year, in Jesus' name. We're going to sing in a moment to finish all together.
1: Yeah, and uh, I just feel like there is maybe a couple of people here, and, and the sense I get from the Spirit is that you feel so weary and so numb that it's almost like you've withdrawn into yourself, and you are looking out almost from within your own body, but you feel detached from it, um, and you detached from everybody else, and. So even the idea of following Jesus this year, you feel like you're functioning and you're going through the motions, but I think you'll know that feeling of almost feeling like you're living from within yourself and looking out at the world because you're you're so detached and numb inside. And if that's you, the only way to break through and to break out of something like that or feeling like that is to take a step forward and ask for help. And so we'd love to pray with you this morning. We'd love to minister to you. Um, so I want to just pray now, if, if you're feeling like that or feeling a bit like that, that even the strength to come and ask for help, the strength to communicate how you're feeling deep inside, you will get that. So let's pray. God, I thank you that you come to bring us life and life in all of its fullness. You come to release us from the bondage that the enemy would, would place on us. And so for, for those of us that are feeling detached and cold inside, feeling disconnected, and almost like we're watching the world go by, but we're not really part of it anymore. God, to ask for your spirit and your presence to come. God, we thank you that you come with gentleness, that you come with peace, and you come with healing, and I pray that you would pour out your spirit this morning on broken hearts and bring release, but also pr- bring boldness to step out and believe that there's a better future and a better way ahead. In Jesus' name.
0: So we're going to sing. Um, the prayer ministry team, there's there's people here, as Chris said, it just, they're going to be at the front. If you'd like prayer this morning, come and respond, please. Let's all sing together, and then we'll close off. We'll speak to the kids' leaders just to like bear with us for five minutes, so don't uh, worry too much about that. But let's, um. Let's